Fuck, I haven't picked a new album for next week. That's a bit slack. I'm a bit out of practice. You got me? Yes. Let's be serious. Wikipedia article. <laughs> you have to look up what the, any of these albums are. Uh, it was so long ago that we listened to these that you have to. Uh, no, no, it's not. It's, it's like trying to remember what album I'd pick for next week. <laughs> this is more the case. There it is. Um, I saw. I sort of thought the albums for this round, week, fortnight, month, whatever you want to call them. Welcome back, by the way, for those who don't listen to the sports podcast. Um, Where were you, of course? <laughs> People who don't listen to the sports podcast. Didn't didn't get any real feel for Denver as a musical city, I have to say. Didn't seem to be anything like, because we went to, I went to a lot of like street food and cafes and stuff like that. Um, street food is you eating out of bins, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. No, I was very, fucking food was expensive over there. Food and drinks were not cheap. Hence why you're eating out of a bin. Um, so I was very considered in my choices. Hence the bin. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but these, the I uh, sort of felt like, uh, yeah. The, Use your the, words, please. The, the, this, this music, these three albums fell into sort of two parts, I guess. Shall we deal with the hip-hop first? Should we deal with Killer Mike's album, Michael? I suppose the, the conceit of which is, after so long with Run the Jewels, what does Michael Render do and what does Mike, Michael Render give us when he's without LP on production and backup vocals? Uh, and the answer is, I suppose, there's a few more golden era samples. There's a bit more faux gospel backing. There's a lot more kind of thudding trap beats. And generally, there's a lot more fucking stupid lyrics. Like, really dumb shit. It's, it, Mike capes for some really dumb libertarian capitalist reductionist bullshit on this episode on this on this episode on on, on this album um, it's <laughs> it's like he needs LP to stop him from talking absolute dumb shit I just found it fucking boring well, is it because the only there are only two words that get used more than once on this album and they get used all the time and one of yeah, them starts with like, an N and one of them starts with a B like even even the beats are a bit. Eh. I'm not in it. I'm not in a trap beats at all. I, as soon as you put a trap beat, I'm like, okay, what else you got? Yeah. I mean, it, I, it's Mike. He, he's got that same fucking herky jerky flow. I mean, I know that's a very Zach Lowe thing to say, but he's got that particular cadence that he that he will always have. And he has said, you know, he said by tweet that you know he doesn't. He wants you know this is meant to be something. The compliments what they did with Run the Jewels is is not meant to replace it. There's literally a line. Um, and I hope people will forgive me the use of the direct quote. I know you love my run the jewels shit, but these main clothes. And that's kind of it, is that he's trying to get out all the stuff that he didn't really feel was suitable for, for run the jewels. Um, but the problem, one of the issues, he's got all these high, high-end collaborators, and they all suck. They're either offbeat, they're auto-tuned, or they're both. Even Andre 3000 yeah. sucks on this album. And it's like, how do you make everybody suck? 
I mean, it makes it makes Mike sound better, but not you know only well, by comparison. It, it sort of sounded like a COVID album written in 1993, where he emailed all the beats through a dial-up connection, and that's that's why that was <laughs> you know so far off the fucking beat. I don't know. Yeah. I just I got irritated by this album. Um, like I, I sort of. I sort of had three stages of... Uh, three stages of grief. You condense the usual five down. Three stages of mood for the three albums, right? I sort of had very irritated, mildly irritated, mostly bored, and then, oh, this is like this is really good and it's growing on me all the time. And it's sort of like this one, the more I listen to it and like I dip back into it this afternoon because not by choice, it just, you know, the playlist kept playing and I was like... Yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm still fucking irritated by this. <laughs> not for me, Clive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I feel like you know we maybe we not maybe this album is a bit too black for us. Maybe this album is is there's the we are not the audience for this. Yeah, th- but- th- th- this is like the living embody- embodiment of Americans talking about Nas, right? Like I, I listened yeah. to another podcast and they sort of got off track, and there was a white guy and a black guy, and they were just just absolutely bonding over Nas and I'm like I just don't get it I just don't get it and maybe it is because I'm a 40 year old white Australian but um, I, 40 yeah. year old huh yeah is that what you're telling the people yeah uh-huh. yep 40 year old lives in Lower Tamarine that's me 40 year old <laughs> yes you can't handstand your way to take five years off your life bro <laughs> oh, almost six to be you, honest you can't drain the years out of yourself <laughs> that's right I'm hoping if I'm upside down enough that I'll go backwards yes um, in many ways I have and always twirling twirling <laughs> twirling into the future yeah not much else to say about that album. It's just that it wasn't. It's getting a lot of buzz, most of which is being retweeted by Killer Mike himself. I think there's elements that produ- if you drop the the trap beats out of it, and you got Mike to be to talk something that's more interesting. It, th- there's the bones of an okay album, but it's it, this isn't it. That's asking a lot. It's like if you got a different singer and maybe a different <laughs> <Yes>. band. <laughs> if this was different in every way, it might be better. <laughs> Okay. Speaking of albums that if they were different in every way, they might be better. What do you want to tell me about Royal Thunder? Oh, right. Okay, we have a disagreement. I really like this album. Oh, good. I'm glad because this album fucking sucked. Tell me about it. Well, I I really liked it. And uh, the reason I did is because of the the sort of mood and the pacing of it, that it wasn't just one note, which is something that I'm sort of going to say about the DZ Death Race. Disagree massively. Okay. (laughs) This has one note, and every note is grim. It is gloomy. It, it is, is very a, gloomy, a, yes. It is a fucking Sarah McLeod ripoff artist fronting a gloomy Cletus power ballad fucking trio. The only positive experience I had for this album was it reminded me of the, the recent, I don't know, it was a, it was a video or a clip, uh, I saw of Sarah McLeod and Tim Rogers. It might have been on The Project, talking about some, some project, something they're doing together. But they look like... Like if your auntie and uncle's camper van broke down in Mullumbimby in 1970 and they never left, that's exactly <laughs> the vibe they have. They're like full of bangles and long hair and looking completely stoned and you know ridiculous I, sunglasses and I, stuff. I, I didn't think about the introspection angle for you because you're not a massive fan of it. I, I thought it was oh, it's all... not the introspection; it's that it's incredibly grim. I mean, literally, the first track is called "Drag Me," which sounds like it's literally what you're asking me to do to this album, and I'm glad to. <laughs> The, this is apparently this album was apparently recorded live to tape. Um, oh, they didn't even use a metronome, which explains why the first track isn't in fucking time. Apparently, they this band 
were reasonably successful, not that anybody's ever heard of them. Uh, Brawl Thunder is the name, folks, because there aren't enough bands with Brawl in their fucking name. Um, but this album is the Everyone Sobered Up and Is Sad Now album. Ah, um, it ha- yes, okay. It has no thunder. It has no mount- it, There is no rebuilding of mountains. There are no construction noises. There's not so much thunder as a wall of grey drizzle. Um, but I, I did see another thing that amused me was that they are currently touring the Midwest with another band called Royal Bliss, another band called New Monarch. So you got Royal Thunder, Royal Bliss, Royal and Bliss. New Monarch. Can we can we say a fucking moratorium on royal band names? I mean, of course, this band has a, a track called The King because everything has to be royal. Of course, the track called The King is indistinguishable from all the uh, fucking other tracks on the album. It's just a whole bunch of wailing and gurning. I feel like I need to start a band called Royal Kingdom. And of course, in fucking solidarity with these guys, they will suck. Maybe they're just massive fans of the Sydney Kings. Who knows? Um, the album, it's the, the band that it reminded me of, not that they sound anywhere sort of the same, but it, it just more in the pacing was the, the Jezebel's album that I really like, which is also a band I think you don't really enjoy. Um, well, we've only so done that, one of their albums on this, this podcast and it had one good track on it. So that was, that was a shame. Okay, so, all right. Defend so, it! Go on, defend it. Defend this shit. Uh, it, it's just that... You can't. I win. There well, we <laughs> it, it's it's funny because the things that... Like, I can't because it's all the things that you just described, right? It's that moodiness and that slow pace. Inability and, to keep time. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, uh, that's that's also a thing that I have, I guess. Um, if you're complaining about bloody Killer Mike's offsiders not being able to keep time... And yet you accept it out of out of white people from Georgia. This sounds very much like you would fit in quite well in Colorado. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I like. I'm not saying it's a top ten album of the year, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot more than Dizzy Death Rays. I'll tell you that much. Now, was that because this is probably the best album that Australia's produced this year? Oh, okay, right. Wow, we really are, we really are off the fucking reservation. We fucking are. This is, I mean, Riff stands for Remember It's For Fun, and this is a really good, consistent, interesting noise rock album that balances a lot of a lot of genres. With a hat tip to the 90s, I mean, there's a bit of punk, grunge, metal, possibly even some early rip-pop on one or two tracks. There's some bits that sound like talking heads. This is a, a genre of music that Brisbane tends to do quite well. I'm thinking Violet Soho, who have recently put the queue in the rack. If this was a Melbourne band, they might be a little bit too consciously genre bound and trying to be like an ironic version of, of the you know of the references they're trying to do. But um, this is a really fucking good album. I, I more I listened to this, the more I liked it. Okay, I, I need to go back and listen to this again then because that's not. No, what you I, don't. Maybe 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 no, I'm that's, wrong. That's I not doubt it though. That's not what I got out of it at all. I, I thought this was pretty similar all the way through and had very little variation at all. Are you sure you got the album, the albums right in the right way? Because this is, I mean, I, I went and cross-referenced against a, a, some other um, reviews and they said this is their most experimental album for a very long time. Now, I didn't like, I, I liked bits of the other albums that we've done of theirs. So that we've done Two, Bloody I Lovely think. and I think we did Positive, was it Positive Rising or whatever it was called, Volume 1. I'm pretty and sure, and they'd I'm have not. like a couple of tracks, but but they couldn't sustain it. This is the, ironically, this is the least um, similar the track the the sounds themselves have been, but the best end to end that they that they an album of theirs has been, uh, for my money, um, of any of the ones I've heard to, I've heard so far. He says trying to drink a beer. 
Um, I, I had a feeling that I really liked their last album. So we haven't done their last. We didn't we had, uh, didn't do their last, last last album? Like, we the did, one before we. D- we did part one of Positive Rising, I think it was called. We didn't do part two. We never really got around. It was it was only like a year or two ago, but it was on the, it was like on the list and we never got around to it. But P- Positive Rising part one was only, it was one of those tr- albums where there was like three or four really good tracks and the rest of it was a bit too, couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Oh, but no, no, oh. I, I, I really, I really like this album. I'm going to have to see where this, where this flushes out, but I think this is probably a top ten album for me. Okay. I, I will... I did not give this the headphones treatment just because I didn't really enjoy listening to it in the car. I, I, I thought it, I just thought it was a bit one track. So that's interesting. I only gave it the headphones treatment just because of my dynamics, you know, just the situations I was in this week. Um. So yeah, but like this sometimes is the nature of of the beast, right? Is you go back and listen, you listen to it once, and if it doesn't grab you in any way, shape, or form, like if there is just nothing there that grabs you. Um, it's sort of easy to, to to form an opinion and move on. Um, well, also because if it's if it's the first one you listen to, and then you listen to the subsequent two albums, and you're like, oh, maybe not. Particularly if you're into a killer mic, you're like, they don't have a great deal of enthusiasm. I remember when I did my first, my preliminary listen to everything. I was like, I got to the end of it and thought, ugh, I don't really want to go back. And then when I went back and listened to the DZ Death Rays album for once, and I went, okay, all right, good. And then I listened on every subsequent listen. I've gone, yes. This is this is more and more what I want to hear. So I kept trying to find the one and track I that was am, dud, and I like the whole fucking thing. So I am a bit of a teenage girl in terms of you know the emotion and the and the the sadness can come, sometimes suck me in on that first listen um, more so than than the riffage. To, yeah. be, to be honest, okay? this isn't an so. album that's entirely made of riffage, despite the name. It's a, it's got a lot more subtlety and a lot more genre to it than probably the last couple of albums have had. It's got a li- they're playing with a lot more different stuff. And um yeah, I would I would recommend uh revisiting this uh on a, a independent of Killer Mike and anything else in the playlist. Yeah, okay. Well I'll, I'll throw it in the long list for the you know, the re listen the the re listen um and we'll see how that goes. Hey there, there was a, a really good um article this week on the website that you do not enjoy reading um, about a whole, a, a whole bunch of- <laughs> Well, fuck yeah. That, that, I should probably narrow that down a little bit. Um, about bands following Taylor Swift's sort of business decision to re-record her albums so that, you know, you get complete control back of, you know, the, the rights to be able to use them in marketing and soundtracks and all sorts of stuff that, you know, reprehensible record companies sort of own when you sign dumb contracts when you, you know, when you're a young band. And it was interesting in that it was bands that I would not call particularly because I sort of thought that was a play for the Taylor Swift of the world, right? Where you've got such a large sort of corporatized fan base that you can mobilize them in a way that would make that yes, make you the, can get them to listen to the to your version rather than than the corporate's version but the the band that that the ringer focused on was Wheatus. <laughs> and i wouldn't have thought Wheatus were a, a like even a, a large indie band let alone you know like they're pretty much a one track band wouldn't you say yeah, like but it, i think that I, I think in the states there was a much bigger groundswell behind those pop punk bands like your eve sixes and your witnesses and your alien ant farms i feel like they've got 
they were we only really saw them for like one hit. Yeah. Whereas I think they had a much bigger the wave was bigger for them than, than we saw. Um, but the, the little nugget that made me laugh in the article was when they were reconstructing the album, there was an organ track in there that none of the band members could remember playing. And I just wondered whether the producer, like, snuck in at night and went, what this really needs is an organ track. <laughs> Let me just lay that down and really lo- <laughs> really lower it down in the bed so nobody notices that it's there. No, I think it's it's like the shitty interlude that everyone's forgotten. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, We've got to replicate this organ track. Who played that? And, like, no one put their hand up. Oh, I, don't know. I haven't played that track. <laughs> it also might have been that, you know, large amounts of drugs were included in the, the original yes, recording. Right? So. Everyone was drunk at the time, yeah. It sounds like a lot of them had to give up the gear and give up everything else. Yeah, so, but it was an interesting little article about that balance between, so, like, that they sort of laid out all the different things that these indie bands were doing to try and essentially recreate um, the sound and the feel of uh, like a breakthrough album. So, you know, recording in basements, finding the desk that, you know, uh, the desk and the gear that they originally recorded that. Like some of the lengths these guys are going to 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 try and recreate the sound is... Even so, would you still want to listen to the tour room copy? Would you like to listen to the original? I think I'd rather I'd rather I'd rather hear what they sound like now, but that might just be me. I'd be fascinated to to have a band that like you know say a Salmonella dub, or they're probably not a good example because they're not not so much a vocal based band. But you, you know, yeah, it, you can, the samples haven't aged; they still sit in the computer. Well, and even the instrumentation, right? Like it would be very hard for Fat Freddy's Drops to recreate their stuff because there's so much sort of fooling around with the raw sound out of the out of the artists, but I, I don't know. It'd be it'd be fascinating to 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 have an album that you knew backwards and forwards that you really loved that you knew you know down to how the hi hat sounded and have a band try and recreate that and see what it sounded like. Um, see, I I think that there wouldn't be any point to it. I, I don't think that's the way to do it. The only point is is for them to get ownership back of their music. That is yeah. literally the only point, right? But but if I have two versions of of the same album to, to choose between, you're going the original, and I, and, you think? And, well, let's let's presume I I don't care. See, I would I would tend to I'd gravitate towards the version that would you know would mm. give the the artist the more money. But let's assume I'm not that person. Yeah, and I've got like the original, and I've got a close copy. I I don't. There's nothing that makes me want to pick the close copy. Mm. Whereas if this is like a new version, a live version, or a, it's got some element to it that intrigues. At least I'm going to press play on it and find out whether it's something I want to listen to. It's a bit like a Live to the Wireless thing, or um, I mean, Hendrix was, or, and the artists of that era were big for this. They would do multiple versions of the same track. Like there's like six to eight versions of Red House mm. or um, Killing Floor by Hendrix out there, you know, on various albums and various recordings. Um, it's it's not the sort of thing you see quite so much anymore, though. But the thing is that, you know, in, in the era of like a version, you yeah. would have thought that people would be more keen to hear yeah, live to tape, made up on the spot kind of versions rather than the carefully recreated studio versions. So, I mean, there's literally a hottest 100 uh, yeah. of like a version, oh. which seems like a, a parody of an idea. A bit like the, the mere existence of Double J, which we predicted mm. 
on a, in a Twitter discussion about five years before they, they came up with it. Yep. The idea of the entire Triple J Hottest 100 mm. becoming like a versions has literally come true. But there is also a hottest, there's a live stream hottest channel that's just going to play Hottest 100s and uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but you can do you can do that digitally, I yeah. suppose. I mean, all, all that's all that effectively is is playing what they say on Triple M or, or or any of those stations. They're just playing the hottest hits from the nineties, the two thousands, and today. Oh. That's li- they've literally just become that group, that fucking radio station. Mm. See, that see, plays oh, the hits from decade X, Y, and Z. I'm really, really conflicted about like a version because it's so. It's such a corporate brand now for Triple J. It is. I love a good cover version, but, and I love an interesting reimagining. But there's. But now it's become. Now it's just become something else. But the thing is, though, there's still some like you still get these amazing, interesting covers from yeah. from like a version. Like I think. I think the artists actually- Do you have to explain to our international listeners what Like A Version is? I, I mean, they probably so. picked it up from context clues. But uh, Triple J, the Australian- um, You know what Triple J is if you listen to this podcast. Uh, they commissioned bands to do cover versions of other bands' songs. Mm. And Often they're Australian bands doing cover versions of either famous or other historic Australian bands. Now it's become a bit self- self-referential where current Australian bands are covering current Australian band songs. Now, I can't really complain about this too much because- you know, something for Kate and Jebediah did this in the nineties, and basically, you know, made made you know that was probably the origins of like a version when well, no, Harpoon I, I, was was in the hottest one hundred from both of them. I actually, I actually think Andrew Denton was the was the origin story of this because he had a bit. That was that was subsequent the, when Andrew Denton's Breakfast Show did. No, no, made he, everybody do covers. He did. I mean, he, he did the. He did it on his Channel Seven show when he went to Channel Seven, and that was. That was back in the nineties. Actually, he he originally did it. This is going way back, but on his first show for the ABC, the Money or the Gun. Yeah, right. He had a musical act come in and cover. Um, oh, Stairway to Heaven. Stairway to That's Heaven. That's right. He did too. I forgot about and that. St- that that was the number one comedy album of nineteen eighty nine or nineteen ninety or something. Yeah. Um, and the biggest problem with that was the, the the lead single, like the most famous version, was Rolf Harris <laughs> doing <laughs> Stairway to Heaven not with a well. award. Not aged well. <sighs> has not aged well. Neither is Rolf Harris because he's fucking dead, which is probably just as well. But yeah, he did that on his um on his uh, Channel Seven show, which wasn't that long lived. But then he he brought it back for his um, Triple M Breakfast radio show in Sydney with Amanda Keller, and then they released an album of them, and that included The Wiggles doing Long Way to the Top ah, and various other. Okay. And that was that was kind of the – but that was a lot more big label, big star kind of things. So, uh, and I feel like that was – I'm not saying Triple J ripped that idea off because there is a bit of a gap between then and, and when it became popular, but um, yeah, I, I think they – yeah, I can't remember the first like a version to get ri- – it, was a, it was, a, was it a segment on – Myths breakfast, myths morning show or something. It, it was definitely a more. It was definitely a breakfast thing. Yeah, it, 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 I don't know if it was a breakfast or a morning show thing, but basically it was like a se- a weekly segment. Mm. I think it was on a Friday on on Triple J where they would get a band to come in and cover one song. And now it has outgrown the format of the actual but, <laughs> radio show, and is is a radio show of its own. That, that, well, there's two things I like. Is one is Spotify doesn't really cover this area. 
it's a YouTube thing, I, right? <laughs> Interesting you use that, that particular word, but yes. But, like, like you know, there's no- like th- this sort of stuff doesn't really exist on Spotify, I guess, for publishing reasons. But like, I don't know. I haven't looked for it. But like, I've got a, I've got like heaps of YouTube playlists built now with like covers and live versions, and you know, twenty-five minute versions of songs played live and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love a good cover version, and this, and I think we've, I think we might have even, did we do an episode we on did, the best yeah. cover versions? I think we did. Pretty sure we did. Maybe it feels like something we would have done. We've done three hundred and fifty of these fucking. Ma- maybe, things. maybe we should do our when the when the when the, like I'm actually interested in the hot in the um like a version hottest one hundred because like you get stuff. Well, I would be because I would have heard very few of them because. I'm simply. I simply don't listen to Triple J. And, no, and, and you know, well, even less so than anybody who lives in Australia. Well, I only, I only discover them when they like pop up on my YouTube algorithm, and like, yep. and so, or, or on Twitter when people retweet them. So you get things like Peking Duck, which is not not my favourite Australian band. Like I admire what they do, but they're not my style of music. They're okay. They're fine. They do they yeah. do their thing, and I mean, Barbara Streisand was alright. They're, they're another step in that. Um, uh, presets, sonic animation, sort of. I like them more than like your Rufus to Soul. Yeah, sure. You know, at least they've got a bit more about them. But but they they tagged Julia Stone and did a a like a dance version of Fall at Your Feet, and it's fucking awesome. It's it's a really really good reimagining, um, and it's just like you just get these little gems, and sometimes they're mm. not um like just you just. Something completely unexpected, you know. You just don't know. You don't. A, you don't know what an artist like, you know, likes singing in their own sort of karaoke head, and it's a really good insight into that. I think because you know you you get some of these, um, you know, you you, you get these bands where it's like, oh fuck, I would have never picked you to like that song, <laughs> and that that's what I find fascinating about it. It's just, yeah. it's a little like like Wet Leg covering the Chats yeah. because they love their favourite Australian band is the Chats, mm. which is insane. Uh, you can imagine them all rocking up to fucking Cool on RSL and, and smashing fucking schooners there. Yeah. But them doing a cover of Smoko, which. It took all the joy out the song. I have to admit, it, was, it, it felt very but, sad. But, you know, but, I'm on some, I'm on Smoko and I'm clinically depressed. But that's the thing, right? Is they that the the like a version format is also it doesn't matter if it doesn't work, right? Like, there's no pressure. Have a crack. Like, yeah, absolutely, do the craziest thing you want because if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. There's another one next week. Um, and that's what I sort of like about it. So maybe maybe yeah. we should when when that um, hottest one hundred comes out, maybe we should have a listen to it and yeah, offer up yeah. our opinions. Well, the more I think about it, the more this goes back well to the nineties because I can remember there was a version of um, oh the living ended version of uh, Tainted Love, which pissed off the purists immensely uh, when they did like a very rockabilly dang 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 like version of um, of Tainted Love. There was Body Jar covering um, Hazy Shade of Winter. So I think there was like a a groundswell of this sort of stuff that was there and Triple J kind of jumped on it and turned it into something that was – because every band covers another band, yeah. you know, to, to do breaks. I mean, you and mine were the perfect example of this. I mean, they, they are literally touring right now doing Tommy, the fucking, you know, the, the old Who musical. They have previously done – 
They previously toured just doing Spinal Tap songs. So bands like playing other people's music. Yeah. It's just that it doesn't pay that well. Yeah. Um, all right, should, well, should we do some news? What else doesn't pay that well is listening to other people's music and talking about it on a podcast. What mm. music are we going to listen to on this podcast next week on your behalf, Mr. Boslo? Well, can, can I offer up a joker that we're probably both not going to like? Is, is that possible? No. How about we don't do that? Well, it's not very often that a band pops up that played at one of my venues. But, however, a band this week that played at the Rev many, many moons ago, Yellow Card. Have you ever heard of a band called Yellow Card? I have heard of Yellow Card. Are they like an American hardcore band? Uh, sort of post, post they're all, it says pop punk. Yeah, Card, I'd accept. Uh, I, so they might be more in that kind of Eve 6 well, than that kind of space we were talking about before. F- Florida Rock Band is what I remember. Like, we're, <laughs> Florida we're, Rock we're, Band. West, uh, like, well, I thought more LA, you know, California rock, but I, I just, I just, I just tripped out. I'm like, holy shit, they played at the Rev. <laughs> I can remember them playing. Well, I'm surprised. I would have thought fucking DZ Death Rays might have played your joint because they, they were, they were, they started out around the time that you were still, um, you were still venueing. I think. Yeah. Music. It's Doc at the Edit Shed. Yellow Card have been suspended for a week for not releasing their album in time. Uh, we'll see if they make the starting lineup next week. So instead, we're going to have the new album by Tiger Koa as our Joker for this week, uh, described in other media commitments as a more emo raw blood. So we'll see how that turns out. Back to the show. Music. So I was going to throw them up a Joker, but anyway, my my actual album is a band called Group Love. Oh, not again. Have we done these guys did we do these yeah, guys before? Yeah, and they fucking sucked, but sure. Oh, okay, no. Well, you go and I'll, I'll no, have I'm, a repeat. I'm writing it. I'm writing it. No, live no. Again. Fucking hell, you never learn. Because um, they're like a massive rock band. I, I, uh, okay. But they suck. Okay. That's the problem. We listened to them and they were horrible. They was they sucked. They stunk and they were shit. All right, well, if... Anyway, but they they did have one, I think they had one good track on their album on their on their album, but that's about all, all you got. Okay, well I'm gonna. If I'm you gonna, want to pick group love, no, I'm gonna, That's a thing that I'm gonna, That's a thing for you and Ness to figure out amongst yourselves. <laughs> I'm gonna flip and go. I'm gonna go a legacy act, even though I try not to do it because at least I like this artist. I'm gonna go. I mean, technically, group love is a legacy act as well. I'm gonna go. Um, we've done it before. PJ Harvey's new album. PJ Harvey's got a new album. Yep, definitely new, not a re-release. Tenth studio album. It says. I didn't think she was still recording. That's awesome. Tenth studio album by English singer-songwriter and musician PJ Harvey, released on Polly 7th of Jean July. Harvey. I wasn't a massive Polly Jean fi- uh, fan in, in period, but I definitely respect her achievements th- and therefore. Well, this is extremely 1990s bullshit. We should probably uh, figure out a way out of this. Um, I don't think I can get us out of this 90s hole you've dug us. Um <laughs> Let's do Skating Polly, who are um, uh, one of my favourite things, which is uh, a Varica Salty, two chicks doing distorted guitar noises. They got a big cosign from Nina and Louise from Varica Salt as well. I know we did we did Louise's album the other week and it wasn't very good. Yes, yeah, I was, was uh, going to say, let's let's hope it goes better than that because um, holy shit, that did not sound like fun. Although the the what was that album we, we did earlier in the year that was 
exactly this particular kind of sound that was supposed to be. So we'll do that this week because, let's face it, it's already a write-off given picks that Bezo has inflicted upon us. <laughs> and we'll come back next week and try again. Yeah. Um, anything else musical that you want to talk about on this episode of uh, Tripping Balls? No, no, I've, I've covered everything. I wanted to talk about the, the, the re, re-recording. I thought that was interesting. And I, I think I will listen to that um, that Hottest 100 uh like a version simply because I'm, I'll probably yell at a lot of the choices, uh, as is as is my right as a middle aged male in Australia. Well, this is the thing we used to listen back to like the, the old hottest 100s when they would replay them like mm. a few a day or two after Australia Day, and you would like say, like Why are you enjoying this? What are you doing it for? And it's like the whole point is nostalgia, the whole point is just. Being able to yell at the songs you hated and the bands you hated at the time, and, and reliving that—it's just the whole—it's—it's it's an end in itself. It's not a—it's not a fucking means to an end. I, I think the reason I'll listen to it is I reckon I'll get one or two songs that I didn't know about because, like you, I don't—I don't listen to Triple J anymore. I don't listen to radio, and but they've, it- they've recorded so many of the fucking things. I reckon there's at least one or two really good songs that I've missed. Yeah, but what's that? I mean, that's not useful for finding new music. No, but it, 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 you know, goes into my playlist. <laughs> Look, had- if music, if, if it doesn't exist in the context of the, of figuring out what the best album of the year is, it doesn't have any purpose at all. <laughs> Absolutely <it>? not. <laughs> I've actually got both the, so the, the, the boys are now in separate rooms, one room for the twins, one room for the elders. <laughs> Was there some unpleasantness? No, no, it's just a, too it's much punching, too, too much well, Queenslanderness. Yes, yes, there is a, a fair bit. Yes, there's a, a bit too bit much going on at the moment. I mean, but you can take the Queenslanders yeah. out of out of Upper Bean Lee, but you can't take the, the whatever it is. I don't know. So, so they've both got a, a a smart speaker, right, that they can talk to and ask for music. Um, oh, no. Which is now, which is now, I can vo- see that being used for wars. <laughs> yeah. So, which is now, you sort vo- of shout at it, then you lob it like a hand grenade into your, into your brother's room, and they have to listen to something horrible that you don't want to. Well, it's they're now volume restricted, so we're not at least like getting the volume wars that we got the first couple of days. I was thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but the, the interesting thing, or well, two interesting things, is one, they're actually getting a really good, um, like I'm hopeless, and, and Vanessa's even worse at like remembering bands and songs. But if, that's what if, Shazam's for. Well, no, but if if you're um if you're just interacting with music through a smart speaker, you've got to remember the name of the song and the version of it and the name of the band because <laughs> you've got to be specific. Otherwise, you just you know you get some absolute fucking crap. And so Curtis has a little notebook next to his bed. What was that song called, Dad? What, what was that song you were just playing? And he writes down the song so he can ask for the specific song to the speaker. Uh, it's it's awesome. Um, but, yeah, now that they yep. can... Now that smart speaker is recording his voice and, uh, and understanding well, everything yeah. he does and listening when you're not supposed to be listening. It's great. Great. Yeah. Great. great. Oh, yeah, trade-offs. All right, Doc. Oh, that was about as uh, bleak as a... Uh, sad indie girl album so shall we leave it there you should have enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than you did then uh that was stripping balls 354 i was doc it was bezo and remember it's for fun (laughs) catch you on the flip side
Oh, it's good to be back. Yep. <laughs> I'll just leave you a gap for editing. There we go. Um, I have no idea when that um, like a version thing is on. I just know that by the, I've by seen the time- it, I've seen it being promoted and I assumed it, it's either happened or it's about to happen or it's- is it well, this weekend? The, the voting's Possibly. closed because I, I, I actually wanted to vote okay. for, the, for the two or three songs I really liked in Like A Version. And, so um, this is historic. This is any Like A Version they've ever had or is this I the guess. best one of the year? Or No, no, like because all, they've t- had, all time. They can't have done 100 in the last year because they only do one a week. No, no, all time. So like yeah. the, the, the couple of, like I really like that um, Paul Kelly, AB Original, the- Dumb Things. I, I love that version. Presumably the, the fucking Wiggles... Yes. What was that Wiggles track yeah, that actually that, got in the actual Hottest yeah, 100? Ele- Presumably elephant. that's immoral. Uh, elephant, that was the one. That's that, That'll that be that'll be immoral. That was a pretty good version, and that was probably the last good um, Tame Impala song, the sure, last interesting Tame Impala song. Can we be a little and bit more interesting, And it's the Wiggles and, and the, the under-30s have got a particular thing where they uh, overwhelmingly, uh, like, vote for stuff like that. Do you reckon there's like housewives that make their husbands dress up as a wiggle so that they can bang them? Is there some frustrated? No, I think it's. <laughs> I think there's a like. We, I think our generation is much more compartmentalized, and we wouldn't like even if you thought that was a really good song. I don't think you would vote for that because. Well, we 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 there's the, like the, we say. Well, that's not cool. The, I'm not the wiggles, to that shit. the wiggles, never happened in our house. Like, that's I mean the wiggle the wiggles didn't happen to us as kids. The wiggles kind of happened to my kids, no. but by the time your kids came, they were kind of done. Yeah, because they'd but- mo- like you had you had s- the second generation of wiggles, the replacement wiggles, and then the next the replacements to the replacements, and it's not the original. It's but, like fucking. But, it's a but- bit like a couple of generations on from High Five. You're like, who the fuck are these people? These aren't. This isn't the same people we started with. But heaps of their cohort were wiggles mad. Absolutely fucking mad for it. Yeah, um, but at that stage, it was it was I, the, I, the the ones who were fucking and the other dude. I guess Bluey is probably the modern equivalent of the Wiggles. Oh god, it's it's worldwide, motherfucker. Yeah. Oh man, they're, like, putting, yeah. they're, they're putting they're putting Dave McCormack's old mate through Ford as the um the the man of the year kind of stuff. <laughs> there's a dude. There's a dude on Instagram, and he's from Brisbane. I have no idea how he's become this famous, but. He gets um, his name's Sam Cotton, and he gets videos of like seagulls and magpies and stuff, like just normal clips of of a, of a magpie, and then draws little stick figure arms on them and does a voiceover, and it's fucking, it's such clean, easy comedy and done so well. And I don't know whether that's got him onto Bluey, but he got to voice a character. On, and he's got a very distinctive voice as well. Um, he got to voice a character on Bluey, and I'm like, is that the, like the gold standard of voice acting now? <laughs> if you got- do they make it in? Do they make it in Brisbane? Yeah. Actually, no. Dave McCormack isn't in Brisbane. Uh, yeah, is no, Dave they- McCormack in Brisbane? I they- thought he moved to the inner west of Sydney. Hence the song. That they-, they do it in Brisbane, but it's all done. Um, it's all done. Like Dave McCormack not might might not be in Brisbane. Oh, they don't need to be because it's just done remotely in home yeah, studios. Yeah. It's just, yeah. And so it's the two director producers that actually do all the line readings with the kids. So McCormack and the the voice actor that does the mum never actually interact with yeah. the voice actors that do the kids. They just dub over the. the yeah, yeah, it's all it's all yeah. done remotely, and it's like 
Yeah. Because the the directors and the producers like know how to get the like the the tone and the right voice out yeah. of the out of the kids. Um mm. it, it's it's yeah, it's a it's a fascinating and like he's he the the guy that's um the main producers, he said like when the kids age out, that's it, we're done. We're not we're not Simpsoning it yeah, you know, forever. Right, new ones in. Yeah. yeah. Um Although, well, is- they're series three now, I think, are they? I, I've not watched a single episode because mm. obviously my kids are well out of the fucking age group. Yeah, and I don't even know, even know what It's a little bit like- It's um, probably on TVNZ, but it's not my thing. It, it's very- If you're a fan of writing, it's very well written. It's just- I'm written. glad it exists. Yeah. I don't, you know, I just- And I'm glad that it's it's ours, for want of a better word. I'm, I'm glad it involves people who, you know, I'm glad it involves- that that it represents us well. I did I did see that ridiculous take on the <laughs> yeah. internet about was, how it was how uh, it was um uh what was patriarchal um uh, I, I understood like the, some the, of the points the, like the middle class. I, I understood where they were coming from, but I also understood that they didn't understand that this is actually what Brisbane looks like. Everybody has a house and a big backyard because it's Brisbane. Yeah. That's and, literally what the town looks like. And, like, you can get some pretty shitty houses that look like that because you and I have both lived in made a lot of them over the years. Yes. Um, yes. But I, I, I read that critique and I'm like, okay, my kids went through, like, a month of being into Thomas the Tank Engine and if you sat through and yes. if, you were, if you want to critique something- Thomas go, the Tank Engine <laughs> is- Holy shit. Of offensive on a molecular level. When it comes to class like- war, when it comes to bloody the it, the whole thing is so horrific. Uh, it's uh- so bad. I would take Bluey ninety-seven times out of ninety-two <laughs> over uh, over Thomas the Wank Engine. I've never wanted to to you know take a bomb and set fire to par- uh, to you know to a, a royal building than I have of, after watching yes. Thomas the Tank Engine and their Thomas class the structure engine, like, you're bullshit. Not, you're not you're not a useful enough engine to serve the fucking upper classes, you <laughs> working class cunt. <laughs> Fuck you. That's and like people will probably listen to this and go, "You guys are exaggerating." It's like no, 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 no particularly no. early Thomas. It was full. Know your place, you working class scum. scum. It was so cl- it was astonishing. But Ringo Star voice stuff, and literally there was one episode in which someone was not being a really useful engine, so they bricked him up in a tunnel and left him there <laughs> forever. <laughs> Motherfucker! <laughs> How do you do that shit <sighs> in a kids show? <laughs> Fucking Ringo Starr. And you just know C- that couldn't drop his way out of a wet paper bag. You know that half of Britain's just nodding their head though. No, then they go, "Who? Yes, fuck the poor people. Put them mm. back on the boat where they came from. What do you mean they're from here?" Uh, all right, Doc. <laughs> Lovely to speak to you. I was that was an old school after dark that one. People need to watch more Bob the Builder. Yeah. I mean, all he wanted to do was build things yeah. before they they redid it as, as fucking animation. The old claymation stuff. That's the shit. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a Sean the Sheep man. So that's it. That sounds like you're talking about your downstairs topiary, and I don't want to hear. <laughs> See you, Doc. Bye, folks. This side of town 
Trailer Sheep was good, but that fucking, the one they made for, for little kids, that was a bit, oh, that wasn't was quite t- right. Yeah. There was something in no. QR about that. It was uh, Timmy Time. It was, I, I, it just felt like it was deliberately, it was pitched at Sappos. They'd done a few things to it that just didn't quite work. Are your kids into Star Wars? <sighs> They're not really into anything. My so, wife's into Star Wars. Okay, so. No, have one, one of the, like, Lucasfilm have done a lot of stupid shit over the last five years. But one of the interesting things five they years? did was. Yeah, maybe. How long ago longer. was the fucking, the, the remakes of the original series? One of the interesting things that they did was get a whole bunch of anime studios to play around in the Star Wars universe two years ago, I think it was. And then so that went really well. So instead of just doing it again, they went and got like all the classic non-big American animation studios to do a Star Wars story, and they got Ardman to do a Star Wars story. (laughs) It's fucking hilarious. It's like like watching Shaun the Sheep but Star Wars, and I'm just like, it's just so weird. It's so weird. That's funny because my favourite off-brand Star Wars is Thumb Wars. I don't know if you've seen that, but that was there was a it was very nineties. Bob Odenkirk was involved, but it was basically thumb puppets doing Star Wars, and they they kicked off an entire series. It's most of it's on um on YouTube of all these kind of thumb remakes of all these movies, like the Blair Witch Project. But yeah, Th- Thumb Wars was the original one, and at least twice a week I quote a line from uh, Thumb Wars, which the Chewbacca character was called Chompy, and at which point the Han Solo character says, punch it, Chompy, and I, every time I drive away from an intersection, I pump in the back of my head, I hear a punch it, Chompy. Um, so that's a thing that people should watch. That sounds like... Um that sounds like the sort of stuff you watch when you're drunk on fucking yeah, uh, Channel uh, V in the, uh, the late 90s. There, there was a – I used to have an early Friday morning lecture and every Thursday night there used to be a claymation show, a wrestling show. Oh, uh, Celebrity Deathmatch. Celebrity Deathmatch. That and fucking to- ruled. That was – was that Channel V? I think that was Channel V or MTV or something like that. It was, uh, I don't know it was what it was. one of those channels. You- yes. We used to smoke an absolute massive joint and watch that. Yeah, and, that was a good show. And, and I don't think I made a single Friday Friday morning. Who said a Friday? <laughs> I once had a Friday eight AM lecture. Who the fuck was going out for that? The other one that, that I saw in that era was Back of the Y, which was a New Zealand kind of jackass crossed with a sketch comedy show. And a lot of those guys are still prominent in New Zealand uh, comedy now. But uh, yeah, that was that was. Extremely grim. That that had Randy Campbell. The uh, it was they had basically like a shit scared um, segment. Well, it was like that, Randy Campbell, New Zealand de- Daredevil stuntman, doing incredibly stupid things and setting himself on fire. That was the other covers uh, version that we didn't cover, which was the Late Show. Yes, d- d- doing that's the- true. Joan Curtin doing Joan Jett and yeah, Pete Smith doing Aerosmith. <laughs> David Byrne <laughs> doing David Byrne. Yes, there was a lot of that sort of stuff. Not, not quite uh, like a version, but probably. No. <laughs> True enough. All right. Catch you later. Cheers, man. I said the inner west, man.